0: Hey, this is Nathan James from Iconic, and you're listening to Thunder Underground.
1: Welcome to episode 349 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. This week, we've got another great interview for you because we've got Nathan James of Inglorious and Iconic here. Iconic is his brand new band. It's a super group featuring several great members I'm going to talk about here in a bit. Their, their first album is coming out this week, June 16th, Friday. So you need to check this thing out. It's fantastic. We're going to talk about that with Nathan. I've also got some other music I want to talk about before we get to that. But first, I got to let you know who we're sponsored by. DEB Concerts is a concert promoter based in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, and they keep bringing tons of great acts to this area. Coming up shortly, I say shortly, it's about two months away, Poison will be returning to Tulsa for the first time in quite a long time. Playing at the BOK Center. That show will also feature Tom Keefer of Cinderella and L.A. Guns. You can get tickets at BOKCenter.com, at the box office. Hit up DEBConcerts.com for information as well. Of course, hit up that website and their socials. DEB concerts on all the social medias to be kept up to date. And of course, we keep you up to date here about any future announcements. This Poison show was actually announced in 2020. It's one of those pandemic shows that got postponed, but we're finally here. Coming up soon here in just a couple of months this summer. Also, not long after that, Labor Day weekend, Rocklahoma returns for the 15th year And DEB Concerts books the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma this year. Every year, sorry. And this year, no different. Bands on that stage include Doro. Yes, Doro Pesh will be at Rocklahoma. That's unbelievable. I love to say that out loud. I can't believe it. We'll also feature Quiet Riot, Enough's Enough, One Night Stand, The Normandies, and a ton of other great acts out there rocklahoma.com. You can see the entire lineup. And again, of course, debconcerts.com. Follow them there. and We'll keep you up to date as well. We've also got Medpharma Dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. You can see their entire selection at leafly.com. You can also go in anytime. But they've also got a drive through to make it really easy for you. You can call, text, or email ahead place your order, run right through that drive through pick it up and be on your way. Very convenient. They've got great deals going on. If you follow them on their socials, on Facebook, it's Medfarm. That's P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is MedfarmOK. Okay. Their website is MedfarmOK.com. They also have an ongoing special that if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Very cool. And on top of all that, they're Cannabis with a Cause which means 30% of their proceeds go to build no-kill animal shelters. You can't beat that. Almost a third of their profits at all times are going to a very, very worthy cause, no-kill animal shelters. We need more of those in this world, and Medfarm's doing their part to help that out. So get over there, support them, support that cause, and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. We've also got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Midtown Tulsa, 25 plus years of experience, their tattoos are done good and proper, they're state licensed, and they are mother approved. Jake has, like I said, 25 plus years of experience, and you can check out all the work on the social media pages, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on both Facebook and Instagram. Check out all those photos, see all the great work, all the different styles. And then give Jake a call or a message to find, to talk about what work you want to have done. I've actually had work done by Jake. I'm very happy with it. I will have more here in the future as well. I know a lot of people that have as well that are very pleased. So hit up Sunset Tattoo and tell him you heard about him on Thunder Underground. So before we jump into the Nathan James interview and all that stuff, I'm going to talk about an album that just came out here about two weeks ago called the Battle of Locusts from the band Locust Grove. It's a band that's based out of Oklahoma. And no, they're not from Locust Grove. If you're from this area, you know that that's a town in Oklahoma. They're actually from the Oklahoma City area. I know a couple of guys, I believe, are from Chickasha, Oklahoma, which I bring that up because I've got family there. My grandma has lived in Chickasha, Since, I believe, the late 70s or early 80s. I think it's late 70s. And I've got a couple cousins there as well still. So, I know Chickasha very well. But Locust Grove is based out of the Oklahoma City area. And they've been around quite a while. Been around now for a bit. But this is their first full-length album. They released a EP here a few years ago. I believe it was 2017 or 18, Called Monster. The Monster EP. And it was fantastic. And this band is one of those bands that they tour around the nation as well. They're not just based out of here. And in fact, they're actually leaving. This should be coming out here to on Wednesday. They're leaving. I mean, they probably left. I don't want to say they're leaving. But they're starting a tour Thursday the 15th with Charger in Chicago, Illinois. And that is traveling the northeast and the east coast. So if you're in anywhere in that area... Look up those dates. Charger is an awesome band, highly underrated, just as Locust Grove is. So it be very cool to see that, Bill, if you get a chance. Very happy for Locust Grove that they're back out there doing this stuff again. And in speaking of them live a few years ago, they were actually one of the headliners of the Thunder Underground Fest, the one and only Thunder Underground Fest that we put on at the Venue Shrine in Tulsa. In October of 2018, it was a two day event. Locust Grove was out there. Fantastic. I've seen them live quite a few times throughout the years. And they're one of those bands that when you see them live, they're just. You hear their music, you know, on this album or that EP, and you think, man, this is great. Fucking hard and heavy rock that's just, you know, bombastic and swinging. When that kind of stuff gets played live, if it doesn't have the same energy that you hear, that you imagine it should, it just doesn't come off, you know, the way it should, in my opinion. But that's not something that you ever have to worry about with Locust Grove because the energy is there, the sound is there. They bring these songs to life excellently. They're just wonderful. You know, Zane Smith, you know, we've, if you're a fan of, you know, hard rock and heavy music, you've known, you know, for a while, anti mortem. You know, he came from that, and once he left that, he started Locust Grove and just continued down this path of just balls-out, heavy music. And live, he just exudes and drips energy. You know, that kind of, what's that thing they used to say, that that whiskey-soaked, whiskey-drenched kind of attitude when it comes to, you know, the groovy, hard rock, groove metal kind of stuff. You know, same thing with the drummer Joey Mandigo. He's one of those guys, one of those drummers that you can't take your eyes off of. Just the, the, the pure raw energy, the passion that he displays when he's playing, and this band just like brings it solidly. And this album, The Battle Locust, captures that very well. They've, you know, it's like twelve tracks, I believe it's forty, forty, forty-five minutes long, and they just slam through this thing. You know, it opens with the song One Foot in the Grave, which is one of my two or three favorite songs on this album. It's just a great opener. Slams from start to beginning. They've got stuff on this album, like the song Bluebird, that not what you would expect. You know, I mean, all you know, heavy bands have like ballads or, you know, your mid-tempo kind of rock songs. But, you know, you don't really associate something like this with a band like Locust Grove. You've seen them live, but they pull this off very well. And I believe that Bluebird would be a great song in the middle of a set. You can get people singing along, too. And, of course, give them a little breather in between all those other ones that are blasting their soul out, you know. And, you know, some of my the songs that really jumped out to me, like the song Why Run. You know, zane has got his badass scream is very evident in that song. He... He screams out a couple times. Worth my time is an excellent track. That was actually the first single that they released several months ago. Uh Heat My Blood. I also love that track. You now I just pulled this up to, you know, make sure I wouldn't forget something here. But just overall, I mean, this band has that groove metal approach that you know would get in compared to a band like Pantera or something, but they don't you know, two of my favorite bands of all time are Pantera and Machine Head, and I hear a lot of both those bands and in, in Locust Grove, but I also hear elements of a band like seven dust where you get, you know, machine head has a lot of melody, but seven dust has way more. And I think if you combine those three bands, you kind of get what Locust Grove is doing. And I like that, you know, you can't really say, well, they just, you know, you always appreciate whenever you can't really say this band just sounds like this band, you know, you want to say there's a combination of things going on. And while, you know, You listen to the Battle of Locusts and Locust Grove. It's not like they're reinventing the wheel or anything. It's a classic sound that's been around. But what I appreciate is, like I just said, is it's not like, oh, they sound like that band. They sound like this band. They sound like a combination of things, which is what you want from any artist, you know, showing their influence, showing their love for the style of music they're playing, but also creating their own identity. And I think the Battle of Locusts does that. It takes a step from the Monster EP, which was great. And then this, you know, kind of, you know, pushes them a little further into their own realm of things. And I think once they keep going, keep touring out there, more people hear about this band. I'm hoping that years from now, this band will be a household name in the rock world as they should be. I want you to check this out, The Battle of Locusts. You can check it out pretty much anywhere. You can stream. It's on Spotify. YouTube, hit them up on their Facebook page, Locust Grove. Listen to everything there. And if you happen to do this, if you hadn't heard of them before I mentioned this here, check it out and tell me you heard about them here. But regardless, that's kind of, you know, that doesn't really matter. What you need to do is listen to this music, get it in your soul, rock out, you know, like these guys tend to, excuse me, tend to do. They were just actually just here in Tulsa about a, well, it was like the the week the album came out. The beginning of June, they had a couple album release shows in both Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And I think Chickasha as well, like I mentioned. And they, uh, I was actually out of town, wasn't able to attend. But I can promise you I'll be seeing these guys again soon, as soon as the opportunity comes along. So check out Locust Grove, The Battle of Locusts. All right, Nathan James is the guest this week. When it comes to guys like this that I'm a big fan of, I try to rein it in a bit, you know, and not sound like I'm just gushing and just like praising over the top. But at times it's it's kind of hard with, with, with certain guys to me because Nathan James kind of burst onto the scene as far as rock, hard rock music goes with Inglourious' first album, which now has only been six years ago which is kind of weird to think about. It seems longer because this is something we talk about here in the interview, but it seems longer because their debut album was 2016 and here we are six years later and they have six releases. You know, they just had a live album come out a couple months ago. They had a covers album come out last year. They had a studio album come out last year and they've had four studio albums in the past six years and they're working on well, five, if you count the covers of them, they're, they're working on their sixth studio album as we, you know, they're writing it as we speak. So, this is just a band that never stops. But the reason Nathan James is here currently is because he's got a new band called Iconic, which their debut album comes out this Friday. Iconic is a super group from the Frontiers record label, which has been doing a lot of these things over the last several years. I appreciate it because a lot of times throughout the years, supergroups, you know, can go one way or the other, you know, it always looks good on paper, but then it can just fall totally flat or it can really be something special. And, you know, over the past 10, 15, probably 10 years, two of my favorite bands to debut over the past decade are supergroups. And that's the Winery Dogs with Richie Cotson, Billy Sheehan and Mike Portnoy. And then the Night Flight Orchestra, which features Bjorn Strid, the singer from Soilwork, as well as David Anderson from Soilwork, and also a couple members from other Swedish death metal bands like Arch Enemy. And they, their music is nothing like Swedish death metal, but that's not the point here. I'm just saying that when a super group comes together and does it, right? It's a beautiful thing. And Frontiers has done a good job at just crafting these things. And I think a big part of that has to do with, you know, the guys involved, you know, Serafino, the guy that runs Frontiers, I believe, you know, obviously has a great, you know, ear and eye for what he thinks would go well together. And then they've got Alessandro, the guy that is producing a lot of these albums and as well as co-writing a lot of them. He also provides keyboards and backing vocals to a lot of these albums. And I mean, he's, I, I think that might be the key to why, you know, so many of these things, you know, I, I don't, I can't think of one I've heard from Frontiers that isn't good. You know, Revolution Saints, all these other bands that have been around now with multiple albums, Black Swan, Sun Lord, they're just all, just, excuse me, I said Sun Lord, Sun Bomb. They, uh, the writing is just so exceptional and the talent involved is so exceptional. And Iconic is definitely one of those bands. You've got, Tommy fucking Aldridge on the drums, okay? One of the greatest drummers in rock and roll history. He's in Whitesnake. He's been in Whitesnake. Some of those classic lineups in the 80s, you know, and he's come and gone, but he's been there now again for like the past decade or so. Joel Hoekstra, also from Whitesnake. He's been in Whitesnake now for like six or eight years, and before that, of course, Well known for being a part of Night Ranger, and he's also a long time player in Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Marco Mendoza, who was also a former member of Whitesnake. He's also a part of the Dead Daisies for quite a while. He's part of the Black Star Riders for quite a while. And then you've got Michael Sweet, the vocalist and of course rhythm guitarist in Striper. But here's the thing, Michael Sweet is in this group, and he's not the vocalist, the lead vocalist of Iconic. Which is always fun to see as well. You know, he is playing guitars alongside Joel Hoekstra. But he does sing sing some harmonies, and he co-sings a couple of the tracks on this album as well. But the lead vocalist of this thing is Nathan James. And when you say all those guys together, Nathan James is, you know, the... The newest, the youngest guy of this group, you know, dealing with the other four guys have been doing this for quite a long time at quite a high level with great success. And Nathan James, I you know, brings that, that energy to this thing because his vocals, like I said up front, I'm trying not to overdo this, but he is absolutely one of my favorite vocalists over the past decade to come out. And he's just, he's got that raw bluesy just kind of voice that just resonates with you it just hits you in the right place at all times if that makes any sense and his favorite vocalist of all time is david coverdale and you know david Coverdale's the same way and the first time i heard nathan james was right around the time of the first inglorious album or i think it was before the album came out they had released a video of their cover of Fool for Your Lovin' by Whitesnake. And Jason, my former co-host here, like, sent it to me. He's like, dude, you gotta hear this. Because he knew how much I love Whitesnake. And, of course, you know, he knew listening to it how fucking great it was. And from that moment forward, that that first Inglorious album came out. I've just been a huge fan of this band. All four of their albums, at least three of them, have been on our top year-end list. I think all four of them, you know, throughout the last six years. And I'm pretty sure that Iconic is going to be on that year-end list as well. Because this album just is just a perfect hard rock album. You know, you talk about all the guys involved. You've got Joel Hoekstra and Michael Sweet playing guitars together. And that sound, a lot of times... I mean, it's not like Joel Hoekstra is the sound of Whitesnake. Because he was doing stuff way before he joined White Snake. But you've got Nathan James doing his thing along with these two guys playing, and it gives it kind of that feel at times that you know from that classic, you know, 80s hard rock melodic kind of sound that, you know, shifted a little bit more to the bluesy side like Whitesnake did. That's very much akin to the vocals here from Nathan James. I just, you know, can't express how how great this guy is. He does so much stuff outside of this. He himself has also been a part of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, he does a lot of other stuff as well. I'm, i i got to tell you, you've got to check this out. Iconic. Second Skin. It's out. By the time you're hearing this, you know it could be out. But just check it out. Very shortly, they've already got three singles out. They're all fantastic. The entire album is fantastic. I had a chance to listen to it earlier before I talked to Nathan. I'm loving this thing so much. So let's just jump into it and hear what Nathan has to say about this album. Here's Nathan James of Iconic and Inglorious. You know, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass, but this album is amazing. I've seen a lot of great reviews from it and you guys happy with the response you've been getting so far?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially from the the fans on the YouTube videos have been so excited about this record. So it is pretty cool to actually finally get it out there. It's been a long time in the in the making as well.
1: Yeah. Like when was this uh was it recorded quite a while back or has it been
0: It was recorded last summer but the whole idea originally started around like two or three years ago so it's um yeah it's kind of just grown and grown and grown and i am so happy that it's turned out this way because i i'm glad you enjoy it i'm so proud of it i think it's a great album as well
1: i mean frontiers has put together a lot of these you know quote unquote super groups the last few years like how did this how did this band how did iconic like come together from the beginning stages
0: it was all kind of Serafino's baby so Serafino at Frontiers put this together originally it was I think it was like an album between myself and Michael Sweet um and then i think i said it would be great if it could be more of a band kind of thing rather than a Michael does a load of uh duo projects already what with Sweet and Lynch and Sunbomb etc so i thought it would be cool if we could do something that's that's a proper fallout band and um that i suggested marco joel was already involved by that point uh joel and Marco, joel and michael had worked together before i've worked with joel in the transombrane orchestra so it just made sense um to kind of have us three and then it just grew and grew and then when they finally got tommy i just couldn't believe it man it's like it's just crazy i see you got drum skins on the wall as well so that means
1: yeah I don't have a Tommy Aldermans up there, but yeah
0: <laughs> you need you need one
1: I know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's a great point I mean that guy's that guy's one of my favorite drummers. I'm not a drummer, but I just but I, that just guy's one of my favorite drummers to watch he's just insane, you know,
0: yeah he is he's the goat, you know he's like just the original he's he's unbelievable he's seventy one years old and he's still playing like he's twenty you know
1: right. <laughs> Well, kind of talking about Michael Sweet, I mean, the guy's an accomplished guitarist, but obviously he's most known for his voice. Like, what's, and he sings on, you know, a a few of these tracks with you, but what's it like being in a group with another singer of that caliber?
0: Really cool. I was obviously really nervous at first because he's so great and he's so known by his fans for singing. Um, But you do get moments on there where he does sing. We have a couple of duets on the album and. I think he's enjoying just kind of playing. genuinely I've heard in interviews he's been saying that he's enjoyed just playing. Um and even it to someone else. Singing is pretty stressful really, you know. I think he's quite quite enjoying the break from um from all the
1: screaming. Well being in since he co-produced it, did he kind of I mean did you kind of learn anything from him in the process or like <laughs> um
0: We didn't work that closely together on the album just because of like logistics. Oh, yeah. The way that it worked was that Joel would send riffs to Michael and Alessandro. They would create a song and then Alessandro would put a vocal demo on it and then send it to me, apart from the two songs that I actually wrote the lyrics and melody for. So um, I kind of didn't really even hear his voice until um, till we got the first mixes back. Because on the demo, I was singing to Alessandro's voice, the song mm-hmm. uh That was kind of kind of cool, is that when I first heard Michael's voice, it was the final like amazing takes that you hear on the album now. Right. Um, it just blew me away. I had no idea what he was going to do. So it was so cool to hear.
1: You know, speaking of Alessandro, this guy is kind of an unheralded, almost genius, in my opinion, in the way you know a lot of these albums that he's been involved with the writing and everything you know mm-hmm. hopefully he starts getting you know more mainstream credit at some point I would think,
0: yeah, he's great, he's so great and he's so busy and I think he's he must be a very happy man he's just, he's the busiest man ever, yeah <laughs> constantly producing oh, hi me sorry, it's been a long day um <laughs> Constantly producing, constantly writing, singing in bands, playing. He's just, he's such an incredible rounder. And um, I'm really pleased I finally got to work with him because I haven't ever been mixed by him before until this project.
1: Well, what you mentioned, you know, that you wrote the melodies for a couple of the songs. What tracks were those?
0: Um, the third single, which was All I Need, the ballad. Oh. Um, and. The final track on the album, "Enough of Your Love," which I'm pretty pleased with, because it's a yeah. it's a cool number to end the album on. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: So with these being like recorded, like, so this is recorded remotely, right? With everybody kind of.
0: Yeah, they all like, did their bits first, apart from Michael, and then I did my vocals over here in the UK, and. I recorded the vocals in like four afternoon sessions at one studio. So I did like three tracks a day pretty much and just went through it, just banged out. Okay. Um, It was so easy. I think the cool thing about this was that in my own band, I'm usually involved so heavily in all of the songwriting that that's what takes the time. Whereas with this, because other guys were doing it and I just had to do the two, um, it felt super chill in the studio i wasn't editing anything it was all there ready to go and i could just sing 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 um and i really enjoyed the process of that actually
1: yeah well aside from that are you i mean is it different when you're singing lyrics that someone else wrote like like mentally do you think about that or is it not not really something that is even thought about
0: not now i've 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 sung for so many people now that and songs that I haven't written, my like I did um I did a couple of albums with Uli John Roth from the Scorpion singing old Scorpion stuff and i was obviously in the Trans Siberian Orchestra where I've not sung my own material I do. I'm kinda used to that really until Inglorious came along that's all I did. So yeah, I'm super confident that I just bring my interpretation to it. And I think I did that with this record.
1: I read this just the other day in an interview where you said that you hadn't really written songs. Just like less than 10 years ago or something?
0: Inglorious's first album was the first time I ever wrote, yeah. So oh, wow. Okay. The first song I ever co-wrote was a song called Unaware, um, which I wrote the lyrics for. And that was our like a, quite a big radio hit for us here on rock radio, which is the first song I ever, ever wrote. Um, so, yeah, I, I do enjoy writing, but I'm, I've always been a singer first. You know, I've always been... I love the performing. I love the singing. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty versatile. I think that's, that's the key to staying busy as a singer is being able to kind of sing lots of different things and being able to interpret lots of different people's, people's tunes.
1: Right. Well, I know with uh, bands like this, schedules are, you know, pretty hard to work out. But is there any thoughts of trying to do this live at some point?
0: I think we'd all really like to. The problem is, like you say, the logistics of of getting everyone in the same place at the same time. Um, but I would love it to happen. I think from a, from a fan point of view, it'd be amazing to see what we'd fill a set out with, you know, a live set because we've only got one album of material of our own. So right. we'd have we'd have to borrow from each individual performer's libraries, you know, which would be pretty cool. I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's one of those things, we need to see what happens with the White Snake tour when that finishes, and then hopefully we'll look we'll look them at doing something.
1: Right. Well, speaking of live, you guys just... And Glorious just announced a UK tour later this year. Yeah. So are things kind of starting to get back to where... I mean, you've already been playing live shows and stuff, but does it feel good for things kind of to get back to almost normal, I guess, again?
0: I hope so. We'll see how this tour goes but like the festivals are fun we've got some more festivals coming up this year and they are always brilliant from a point of everyone's outside the weather's good it's going to be a good vibe and then hopefully that will translate into the tour later on this year so we're just trying to keep keep positive um and be patient because there's as all over the world the economy etc and this industry in particular is not back to where it needs to be yet so yeah we've still got we've still got to be careful. Um, and and try and make it work but yeah we're, we're looking forward to doing more shows for
1: sure kind of speaking on Whitesnake again the first time I ever heard you was right around the time that the first Inglorious album came out you guys had that cover of Fool for Your Loving
0: yeah and
1: so I'm guessing you're obviously a big White Snake fan so being in this band with two guys currently in there and one guy that used to be in I mean I assume this is a kind of a big thing for you
0: Yes, yes, yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah. It's like a proper dream come true. Um, and yeah, White Snake is my favorite band of all time. So I right. am so honoured to be in a band with these guys, and just hear their stories about working with David and being in White Snake and all the amazing things they've done is so so cool. Uh, yeah, it's a real it's a real honour.
1: Well, as far as you know just speaking on that real quick as far as white snake goes like is your favorite stuff like the earlier more bluesy stuff or the later kind of you know more commercialized stuff or
0: i like it both yeah yeah i'm not gonna be yeah i'm not a snob i literally like it all and even before yeah. that i like one of my favorite albums of all time is david coverdale's northwinds album which is just beautiful uh And I'm obviously a huge fan of Purple, so pretty much everything David's ever sang on is good by me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, since Inglorious debuted in 2016, you guys have, you know, had a lot of output. That's like, what, just six years now, and you've already got four albums, uh, four studio albums, a covers album, a live album. Like, kind of talk about the idea of, like, putting a ton of content out here during a time period where a lot of bands have kind of shied away from that and focused more on EPs or singles or you know the every couple year cycle type thing what made you guys want to just pump out as much as you can and it's and it's good because it's all high quality so
0: yeah i think that's the key as long as the quality doesn't suffer then you're okay but we need to in order to keep touring you need to have something to tour right so we don't we tour the uk every year so therefore we've got to make an album every year um and we try, yeah, we're trying to do that it was hard during the pandemic but we actually recorded three albums in the last like two years of the pandemic, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we yeah we're working hard. We're gonna we just started writing the next album. Not sure when that's going to happen at the moment, but already writing, already thinking of ideas, making sure we've got stuff ready to go for the next next and glorious record as well.
1: What's your guys' writing process like as a band? Do you Kind of bring stuff together or is it done together in a same room type of thing or how do you do that
0: we try and get together in like smaller groups so like a couple of us will get together and try and write something or three people or some sessions where everyone's there um that's just the way that it works or someone will make a demo of something that they really like and send it through and then we can work on it as a group or i'll go no it's perfect let's let's go with that um, so it's kind of different, and we've had a couple of co-writers over the years. Joel from Joel Hoekstra, Al Petrelli um, supplied a couple of riffs and, and songs and stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty organic. It's just what whatever is best for for us and how how much enjoyment we're getting out of it because that definitely makes it easier when you're having a great time.
1: Well, with you guys having that many, you know, albums the last few years, is it? now that you're at the point when you're making a set list, is it getting a little bit tougher to decide on what to put on, what not, that kind of thing?
0: <laughs> yeah. see, It's tricky because if you've got five albums of material, It's yeah, it's a hell of a lot of music. So it's tricky. There's obviously the fan favorites that we know we've got to do. Um, but yeah, this next tour that we're doing, we're going to try and mix it up and do something a bit different. Uh, like, go back and visit some stuff on those first albums that we haven't played in a long time um and yeah with iconic i if we do tour this it's so exciting to me thinking like what would be in our live set because we've only got like what 48 minutes of material so from a like fan perspective it would be really cool to see we could pick from everyone's kind of musical history you know you can yeah. go through all of their resumes and go well let's do this aussie song that toby played on or let's do this Whitesnake song or let's do this um this, this striper's tune with me and michael singing or or them playing a glorious song like the whole the idea of it's kind of cool to me i think it'd be really fun
1: yeah like with then glorious do you have a lot of stuff i don't know how to say that right do you have a lot of songs sitting around or when you record I mean, when you write for an album, is it all kind of like confined to that album? Or do you, are you guys always writing where you got a lot of extra stuff?
0: We write, we overwrite for an album. So we write about 25 to 30 ideas and then okay. we scale it down before we go in the studio and we pick the 11 that will be on the album. Um, okay. that's just yeah that's just the way it works for us on this album the iconic album it was different they wrote the songs like kind of specifically there was nothing left over everything that was written made the album um but i suppose it's easy to do that when you're working with such greats as those guys who know what they want and know how they want the album to feel so yeah it was so quick really good
1: yeah you guys released that the heroin album last year like where was the where did the idea come from for that to you know stick to female-fronted songs
0: we were doing an Alanis Morissette cover in our set uninvited and the reaction from it every night was so great that I was like oh we should definitely put that on the covers album then I thought why not do a whole album of female covers we linked up with a charity in the UK a women's charity called women's aid um, who support victims of domestic abuse and I just thought it'd be a great thing to do also no band has ever done it really which is mad. Like yeah. Not not one band. Is, they've done cover songs or, you know what I mean? They've covered female artists, but not done a whole record of, of female covers. So I, I wanted to do it. And there's some stuff on there that I think is really, really great. And we've got a lot of people um, sharing it. And yeah it's just, it's it's cool to do something different. And I think it speaks volumes for the talent of of the band because... We, we can pre- we can play Tina Turner or we can play Evanescence, you know, this is this we can play Whitney Houston and we can play Christina Aguilera. Do you know what I mean there's a lot of a lot of versatility in the band and that's down to their musicianship and also obviously myself as a singer. But I, I it's the importance of versatility is is pretty apparent.
1: Right. Well what uh like when you were recording that what was like what? maybe what was the song that gave you the the hardest time vocally or was there any that were the hardest to work on?
0: Hardest song vocally was probably the Christina Aguilera one or the Whitney Houston one. Just sure. because people are so familiar with the vocals on them that you kind of have to do what they did. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I can't, I'm not going to start rewriting all the riffs and stuff so <laughs> I made sure that I was, like, as true to the original vocal as possible, um, which is pretty fun. Actually, I tell a lie. Hailstorm was the hardest. The hardest vocally, because Lizzie is just a monster vocalist. She's an absolute force of nature. So that was tricky to do. Um, And my proudest vocal is actually the Japanese uh, bonus track version of the Hailstorm song we did um it's just myself and a piano and it's really haunting it's one take and it's super super haunting i'm really happy with it
1: it's very cool yeah i mean you mentioned uninvited earlier that was my favorite track on the album and because i've always just that song's just always kind of blown me away just from a long more set yeah
0: i love her i'm gonna see her next week
1: really Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah I'm a huge, huge fan. I would have done a whole cover of a lot of songs if I could.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love her too. I saw her a couple of years ago doing her, her acoustic tour. Great stuff. Yeah, same. Yeah. Really good. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm loving the iconic album and everything you're doing with Inglorious. And I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. There you go. Nathan James of Iconic and Inglorious. A huge thank you to John Freeman of Freeman Promotions for putting that one together, and of course, a massive thank you to Nathan for taking some time out there to talk to me about everything going on with "Inglorious" and Iconic. Once again, Second Skin comes out this Friday, June 16th. Do not miss this thing. At this point, we're nearing the halfway point of the year. It's absolutely one of the best rock albums of the year. It should be on everybody's Radar, as far as listening, check this thing out. Nathan James is a phenom, you know, in my opinion, years and years from now, he should, you know, be looked at as one of those guys that, one of the powerhouses in in the rock music world, just like David Coverdale is, and just like Glenn Hughes is, and just like why am I drawing a blank? I do not know. But Just so many amazing singers throughout the years. Michael Sweet, you know, it's a totally different kind of voice. But that man's a phenom as well. And just to hear them too sing, you know, when they share vocals, it's really cool. Since their vo- vocal styles are so different, but it works very well in this album. So again, check out, check out Second Skin as soon as you get a chance. And of course, check out all that great and glorious music. And I really can't wait for the next and glorious album as well. All right, if this is your first time listening, I really appreciate it. We've got, man, 348 episodes before this one. One of those being Glenn Hughes, of course, of Deep Purple fame, Black Country Communion, the Dead Daisies, the voice of rock, in my opinion. One of, you know, if you made him Mount Rushmore, of the four greatest vocalists in rock history, I would definitely have him on that one. So... That was quite an honor for me. I've also had on Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like Gene Simmons of KISS, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio. Well, yeah, Glenn Hughes, of course, was also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've had on, just recently, Jim Wilson of Motor Sister. He's returned for the fifth time. I've had on Dee Snider from Twisted Sister. I've had on guys from Curzon of Conformity, Helmet. Buck Cherry, let me see who else, just the list is great and long, well we mentioned Whitesnake, Brian Tishy was a drummer in Whitesnake for a few years, and he's one of those, those phenom drummers out there as well, he's been on here a couple times, Fat had on all kinds of great stuff, so just dig through there, thethunderunderground.com, you can listen there, you can also listen most anywhere Podcast, are heard, Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Follow us on all the socials if you ever see posts. Comment, like, share, all that helps out tremendously. And yeah, we've got some great ones coming up. That 350, one of those milestone episodes, right? Coming next, Frank Hannon of Tesla. One of my favorite bands of all time. One of my favorite guitarists. Frank Hannon returns to this podcast for the fourth time. Can't tell you how happy I am to be able to say that. We've also got ones coming up, man, who do we, why am I drawing a a blank again? Oh, John Waite recorded that about a week ago. John Waite, of course, has had a huge successful solo career. He's also known as part of Bad English and the Babies. Got an interview with him coming up. Got an interview coming up here with James Durbin as well. Just recorded that one. James Durbin, of course, was known for being a part of American Idol, but since then, he has a great solo album under the name Durbin. He has been a part of Quiet Riot, and now he's got a brand new band called Clean Break. And their album's coming out here in a few weeks. That's also another one of those Frontier supergroups that features members of Striper, Robert Sweet, and Perry Richardson. And it also features Mike Flint's, the guitarist for Riot. You know, that one's another, you know, just killer power metal album. So be on the lookout for that and that interview as well. we have also got some other great stuff coming up. So be on the lookout for all this stuff. Once again, thethunderunderground.com. All right. Guess that covers it for another one. Once again, a huge thank you to Medfarm, Sunset Tattoo, DEB Concerts, Freeman Promotions, and Nathan James. And until next time.
0: Thunder Underground, y'all.